Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the On the Wrong Track podcast. I'm Austin, and I don't fucking know what episode this is. God, isn't that how I start every episode? Um, but anyways, <laughs> today, um, today is January eighth, twenty twenty one. It's six a.m. I can't sleep. Um, yeah, my sleep schedule is really fucked. But basically. I'm here today because I really wanted to talk about what happened, I guess, two days ago now, um, when there was an attempted coup. At, uh, there was an attempted coup at the United States Capitol, uh, where terrorists and insurrectionists, um, who were seeking to take hostages of our elected leaders in Washington D.C., uh, stormed the Capitol building. The police let them in, of course. Um, and what ended up happening was, oh, sorry, what ended up happening was, uh, they, uh, our elected leaders were escorted out of their respective buildings, and everybody was fine, um, as far as they go. Um, four people were killed, um, as far as I'm aware, I know there was one protester that was shot in the neck, uh, she was a former uh, Air Force veteran. She was an Air Force veteran, um, but she was shot trying to break into another building by a Capitol Police officer. And another person that was shot was one of the, I mean, sorry, was killed was a uh, Capitol Police officer who allegedly, I think the last thing I read was that he may have been beat with a uh, fire extinguisher by one of the rioters uh, and white supremacist groups. Anyways, that's what happened yesterday. And it is a textbook example of what I kind of want to hit on, on today. It's fascism. Fascism in America has risen. And it's stronger than ever. And I kind of wanted to spend today kind of explaining what I mean by that and what fascism really is and the history of it in this country. Because many people, in my view, refuse to acknowledge that it's happening right now. And we need to do something about it. Um, yeah. So, I guess it all starts with like the question: What is fascism? Fascism, fundamentally, um, as it was defined by this guy named Umberto, who wrote a book. I mean, he wrote an essay about it in 1995. He basically said that there are 14 things that describe fascism. Like when we normally think of fascism, we who do we think of? We think of Hitler. We think of Mussolini. We think of Pinochet. We think of um, insert uh random right wing authoritarian dictator in here like there's there's it's most of the time in the, at least in the 20th century um they have been fascist so what defines a fascist um number 1 uh of the 14 points the cult of tradition fascists typically um have a cult of um unchanging culture keeping our religious um or otherwise uh cultural traditions that seem to be under attack from the outside rejection of modernism which is number two which is um a wanting to return to a more simple time um and kind of a nostalgia for the past in certain ways uh, number three is a cult of action for action's sake um which is that people must do and act 
in a certain way. Um, this one is kind of hard, and I, I still kind of don't understand. Um, it's, in my view, the way I understand it is, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, is that there's always something to do, and fascists believe that there is always a threat out there, almost. Um, but that kind of ties over with another one. Number four, uh, disagreement with the ideology is treason. Um, this basically means, uh, let's compare it, and I'm going to compare all of these to today, but I'll just, spoiler alert, um, if you, like all of the people we see out there saying that um, Joe Biden um, and Kamala Harris, and they know they're wrong about this at some deep level, are members of Antifa and want to destroy the country. Yeah, it's pretty clear. Um, same thing that Hitler said about the KPD, which was the Communist Party of Germany. Um, he, he, he blamed them for the Reichstag fire, um, which was more than likely an accident, as far as I've read. Um, and Or one of two options, that Hitler actually started it in order to seize power. Um, it's more likely the former. I mean, sorry, the latter. The latter. Um, yeah, uh, number five, fear of difference. Uh, this basically means that if you are not most typically, it has been white, uh, Christian, male, well, not male per se, but white, Aryan, if you want to use uh, German terms. Um, if you don't meet certain characteristics, um, certain unchangeable, uh, immutable characteristics, um, then you are the problem. Um, whether that be race, um, gender often plays a role here, but uh, it depends. Um, uh, religion, uh, various other mutable characteristics, cultural characteristics, etc. Um, appeal to social frustration. Now, this is a big one. This is a big reason why fascists rise. So they appeal oftentimes to economic and social frustrations that people have. Like when people are suffering through hard times, like for example, the Great Depression, that's when you saw the Mussolini's of the world rise. That's when you saw the Hitler's of the world rise. That's when you saw various um, fascist leaders in Romania and Hungary. Throughout, rise. They rose uh, pretty sharply on, the, on economic fears and on social fears and when everybody started to blame each other instead of the economy itself. Um, number seven is pretty important too nowadays is the obsession with a plot. Um, fascists always believe that there's always a plot against um, the current order. Um, for example, uh, the most clear example I can think of is that uh, Nazis and people who uh, profess that abhorrent ideology oftentimes believe that there is a Jewish conspiracy, uh, Jewish cabal uh, trying to uh, create a white genocide or um, something along those lines. Um, uh, and I guess now number eight, the enemy is both strong and weak. Again, to use uh, Jews, which were the scape predominant scapegoat of the Nazis. They both believed that Jews were weak and inferior and... Um, all of those sorts of things, while they also believe that at the same time in the Jewish plot uh, to overthrow the Nazis, like they controlled everything. They own the banks, they own uh, all these various institutions, and they are so strong. Um, 
Oh yeah, it's very hypocritical. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, it's uh, there's another word for that, but um, it's very it violates itself on its face. It's really stupid. Um, and number nine, pacifism uh, is trafficking with the enemy. Um, basically, uh, this is their pro-war, uh, pro-fighting, support the troops. Um, we got to keep fighting. We got to fight for um, our country, our uh, fatherland, etc. Um, yeah. Uh, number ten. Uh, there's a contempt for a w for the weak. Um, oftentimes, you see this in uh, fascist societies through um, shaming those who break traditional norms. Uh, I think nowadays, like the often. Um, uh, the cult of masculinity that seems to exist uh, throughout history and anybody who um, traffics in typically left-wing ideologies is characterized as more feminine and um, more weak than the other men, um, when in reality that's obviously not true. Um, but, uh, yeah, and that that sort of thing. Um they they try and demonize those who are weaker to make themselves feel stronger. When in reality, most of the time, they're fucking idiots. Fascists are fucking idiots, and they're just weak and just they they often are just projecting themselves this way. Uh, number eleven, uh, everybody is ed is educated to become a hero. Um, basically, this is like. Uh, this can best be summarized um, that you can do the best for your people, for your race, for your uh, country, um, that kind of thing. It emphasizes that you must uh, fight on behalf of this immutable characteristic or this immutable fact about yourself. Um, yeah. At number 12, uh, there's machismo and weaponry. Uh, this basically is... Um, demonizing things uh, that are non are are more non-standard, and it's a more uh, way that typically the men uh, that run fascist societies, and it's all it's typically men um, treat women and treat uh, people who and heterosexual men treat um, homosexuality itself. Um, oftentimes, this is the uh, LGBTQ community who are most often the first victims uh, of fascist societies because they're already demonized by most of society because they're different. Um, but fascists seize on their difference and use it as something to blame. And they always, uh, fascists always treat women as secondary sub-citizens uh, sub that are meant to serve men, typically. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty simple. Selective populism. Uh, this is basically populism for your specific group that you're trying to elevate. Typically, this is white men, uh, white um, under or unemployed men in most places. Um, basically, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, we need to make life great again <laughs> for uh, make uh, America great again for these people. Um, they need to lift them back up. Um, these are uh, the real Americans, as, or the real whoever you want, the real Italians, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then number fourteen, finally, a this is this is kind of an elementary and very simple style of communication on part of the leaders 
and very almost a new speak, uh, as they describe it here in this article. Um, yeah, it's almost a co-option of education and anti-intellectual um, kind of crusade um, in order to appeal to as many common folks as possible. Um, yeah, and instruments for critical, complex, and uh, reasoning are eliminated as far as one can see. That's because fascism requires people to be dumb and people to be complicit. Now, uh, now that I've gone through all of those, um, why? Why did I go through that? I would say 12 out of the 14 of these we see in America right now. Um, some of them I can't really place, but I haven't really put all that much thought into it. Um, there's a cult of tradition in this country. Many people um, talk about our Judeo-Christian values in this country, and they have been for a while. But now it is almost becoming a cult. Uh, in many places in the country, um, if you don't go to church, you're not accepted into society itself. This is particular in Appalachia, and particularly throughout the, sh the South, in the rural South, more specifically. Um, there's also... a Many people think of like the 1950s and the 1960s of America as being the high time. I mean, it was economically, uh, for sure. The middle class was doing great, but they almost fetishized this time. Um, and many people want to make America great again, reply, uh, implying that America was once great. And you ask them when it was great, they either won't give you an answer or they'll say the 50s or 60s. Um, uh, rejection of modernism. We see a lot of these people refusing to use technology um, and refusing to um, kind of move along and uh, adopt new ways of thinking and learn. And it's, a, it's an anti-intellectual kind of thing, mostly in America. This one's kind of harder to place, but we see a lot of um, a lot of uh, fascists here in America. I, I shouldn't just say conservatives uh, who reject much use of social media, particularly uh, and kind of outlets to where their view might be questioned. Particularly, um, the cult of action for action's sake. Um, Trumpists often are like, "Look, those rad that radical liberal Raphael Warnock or." Um, those radical liberal AOC types are going to come and take our guns. And it's always like you have to go and you have to show uh, your strength. You have to show that uh, you won't be taken advantage of by these uh, liberals who are, who are so powerful that they're coming to take your guns um, or they're coming to take your life or your money or whatever, whatever they want to say. Um, number four, disagreement is treason. This is pretty obvious. Whenever uh, somebody, even a Democrat, just a, if you if you get labeled, if you are a Democratic politician or a Democrat person, more often than not, these people will say, oh, you're a part of Antifa. Oh, you support Antifa. Oh, you hate this country. Oh, you want this country to burn. Oh, you want blah, blah, blah. Like, you uh, don't care about our troops. Uh, just because you want to cut a military budget that is so bloated that 12 other countries cannot even uh, add their military budgets up to compete with it. Uh, so, 
that's typically what you hear in this country, and that's disagreement is treason. Um, it, obviously, you can think of many examples of this. Um, five, fear of difference. Uh, most notably recently, many people got outraged at Harry Styles, who took many, I, I think, I don't generally keep up because it's culture war stuff, and culture war stuff is stupid. But um, he took pictures in a dress, and he posted them publicly, and he typically wears more feminine outfits. And unlike when you saw in the 1980s and the 1970s, when many, many people were starting to dress like that, um, and many people didn't have a problem with it. Maybe older conservative people at the time did. But the people who had become the fascists of today, the people in their 50s, uh, 40s and 50s, who were growing up at that time, um, worshipped these people. But now uh, that they have been radicalized, they believe that these, this is emasculine. This is, uh, this is feminine. This is um, disgusting. We cannot uh, bring back manly men. Like uh, this is a fear of difference. This is a fear from gender norms, particularly. Um, and we see this um, throughout uh, many mainstream conservative ideology uh, uh, through Islamophobia, through uh, immigrant phobia, through uh, fear of literally anybody that doesn't look like them. I mean, that's 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 simply it. I mean, we see um, uh, we see this throughout our society. Uh, appeal to social frustration. I mean, come on, this is pretty obvious. Uh, how did Trump win? Trump won two-time Obama voters um, to a substantial degree in the Midwest, and that's probably the main reason he won, because many of those people uh, voted for a Democrat because he said hope and change. Trump said the same thing, and he was one of the only candidates who ran on a populist platform trying to appeal to these white working class people as a means to win. And he did win. Um, he won because he was the he is the one candidate in our um, uh, since Obama in 08 that really talked about how people were suffering, people were having a rough time. Um, uh, people. Uh, felt like their jobs were being taken away by immigrants. People felt like um, they were, weren't making enough money. They weren't. They didn't have health insurance. They're uh, paying high medical bills. Trump took advantage of this and blamed it on other people, um, and stoked fears, particularly among Mex uh, like uh, against uh, Mexicans and against uh, Muslims in this country. Um, yeah, that's pretty obvious. Uh, seven. The obsession with a plot. Now, this is kind of eerie. Um, recently, we have seen many people who are now fascists, uh, I mean, who were fascists before and probably are fascists still, who believe in the QAnon conspiracy theory and among many other conspiracy theories that hypothesize that, I mean, the QAnon conspiracy theory is that there's a secret cabal of Democrats uh, who are running a child sex ring that Donald Trump is trying to root out. If I understand that correctly, and quote me if I'm wrong, um, and there's various other conspiracy theories like Pizzagate, um, like, I don't know, uh, government is, I don't know, the, the Democrats are um, Satanistic, or I already said that. Um, yeah, there's a plot against President Trump. Um, 
the Democrats are doing everything they can just to get rid of our president. That kind of thing. That's how you see it here. Um, the enemy is both strong and weak. Um, this is kind of obvious as well. Uh, specifically liberals. They see liberals as all-controlling and all-powerful because they're trying to take away your guns. They're trying to get into power. They're very close to power. They're very powerful. But at the same time, they're weak. They're snowflakes. As people, they are less than. They're not American. They're anti-American. Um, pretty obvious. That, that's typically the target we see. Um, and then, oh, like, and also Antifa. Think about the way they portray Antifa as like a mob, as like an army of leftists and people of that sort. But when they talk about leftists, they talk, talk about them as insecure. Um, uh, they use uh, homophobic slurs towards them. They use various things. Um, Towards them to make them look weak. Uh, they're like, look at look at these SJWs, uh, that kind of thing. People who would make up Antifa, people who embrace that ideology, they're both strong and weak to them. Pacifism is trafficking with the enemy. People who want to go to peace under Trump, people who want to get out of the wars, many of them were his supporters, are now demonized. People are like, we must support the troops. We can't leave. People wonder why we're there, but they still say we must support the troops. They must say that if you don't support the troops, you're not American. You don't care about the troops. You're supporting our enemies in Russia. You're supporting our enemies in Iran, in Iraq, in Al-Qaeda, in ISIS, in North Korea. Like, they literally will say, oh, wow, you don't want to raise your military spending? What, are you a North Korea sympathizer? Are you a commie? That kind of thing. Uh, contempt for the weak. Kind of obvious as well. Um, yeah, uh, I kind of went into this one already. Uh, but in short, uh, contempt for the weak. Um, uh, like, the perception of liberals particularly, like the Harry uh, Styles types is the way they see it. Um, people who don't do anything, they're lazy, they, um, they don't contribute to the economy, they're welfare smoochers, that kind of thing. They perceive people who, um, who are different than them or who are even like the disabled and people who are not able to contribute to the economy the same way they can um, or to society in the same way that they can or they can't see it, they perceive them as weak. Um, like, remember 1980s, Ronald Reagan talked about welfare cleans. He was referring to black people, specifically black women, with that. It was a racist attack. And um, you look at uh, when people talk about, I think, I think welfare is just a good example. Uh, we, we hear this all the time. We don't want people sucking off the system. When in reality, it's actually the business owners that are doing that. They're sucking off of your labor. But anyways. Um, uh, number 11, everybody is educated to become a hero. Anyone who can grow up, uh, live the American dream, uh, become prosperous, uh, become, um, I don't know, uh, a model citizen, can live in the suburb, can um, be happy, can get out of poverty. Um, 
that's heroism nowadays. Um, it's you could fight for your country. There's a cult around the military in this country. People often worship the fact that um, gun culture. You can become a hero if you defend your home and you can defend your people. There's 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 many ways that this manifests, and it's not always very clear. Um, Machismo and weaponry, uh, disdain for women uh, and people in the LGBTQ community. Uh, people don't acknowledge that trans people are valid. Um, and the science behind that, the science behind non-binary folks, the science behind gender itself, they don't even know the fucking definition of the word, um, let alone how they treat women. Uh, like wanting to take away reproductive rights, um, almost the dogma that women are subservient to men, we, we see this, and, and, like, through Donald Trump specifically, his attacks on, like, Rosie O'Donnell are a great example. The way he attacked Carly Fiorina within the uh, primaries, the way he attacked Ted Cruz's wife. Um, there was a sexualization of them. Um, like, yeah, and that has become part of mainstream conservative culture nowadays. Um, let's see. Uh, selective populism. Do you think Trump as, besides when he said, my African-American, was referring to black and brown people when he was talking about, let's make America great again. Let's bring back our Judeo-Christian values. Um, and when he didn't denounce white supremacy, and when he said, Proud Boys, um, they're fine, during the debates, do you think he was thinking about Amer uh, uh, woes and inner cities? When he was talking about helping and bringing back jobs and helping people, using the government as a tool to help people. No, he wasn't. He was talking about white people. He never, ever, and nor did his supporters care about helping the people who really need it. It's selective populism just for them. They want to build on their privilege within uh, the realm of being white and having. Um, generational wealth in this country. Uh, er, fascism speaks new speak. Yeah. Um, I think if I remember correctly, the New York Times gave, um, or some publication gave Donald Trump uh, analyzed his speeches, and deemed that he had a fourth grade reading level. Like if somebody at a fourth grade reading level could understand that, and you can see this in his language, the way he talked. He talks about things so simply. He's like, they're taking your jobs. The election was fraudulent. He doesn't speak in nuance at all. He never does. He tries to make it clear. He's like, look, the Mexicans took your jobs. Or look, the Muslims are attacking us. Or look, X group. This, it's elementary syntax. It's pretty obvious. And this is trickle down. If you look at the way debates have changed over time, uh, I've been watching a lot of presidential debates lately. I watched uh, 1988 um, between uh, Dukakis and Bush. I watched 1992 with Perot, Bush, and Clinton. And then I watched 2008, which was a severe... And the former, the former debates were very policy-substant. There were a lot of policy discussions and specific tenets of policy uh, discussed in those debates. 2008 rolls around. It's a little bit less of that. It's more platitude-y. Overall, there was still talk of battleships, like in 2012 with Mitt Romney, the whole battleships, uh, uh, not horses comment that Obama made, the zinger. 
Um, if that's the see, that's a kind of a dumbed down. That's really not much about policy. It's more about one-liners and um, specific quips that people have. And then 2016 and 2020, what do we have? We have Donald Trump in the debates. Do you think they're nothing but screaming matches? I mean, that's what they are. They're screaming matches. He's screaming into the void. He is literally, quite literally, he, he would derail debate. He would just say nonsense. Some of his sentences never even made sense. Most of his sentences never make grammatical sense. Um, it's really bad. Um, I, I think debates is just a one way you can see it kind of develop. Um, and anyway, I guess now that we're kind of done with that, let me kind of tie into, uh, and I'm again, I'm going to get to why these events happen today and my take on the whole coup situation uh, shortly. But, um, sorry, I need to put my feet up. Uh, yeah, there's, this has been a long time coming. Uh, Trump, many people think Trump is the problem. And, but no, Trump and his movement, his MAGA bros, they're just a symptom. They're a symptom of 40 years of neoliberalism and slow, ever, really ever since the end of World War II, um, there's been erosion of the policy gains of the New Deal and of the early 20th century that were had by socialists and by uh, unionists and by workers' unions themselves um, and by working people. Working people fought, died in the streets for Social Security for the right to strike, for an end to child labor, for the eight-hour workday, for uh, the minimum wage, for um, uh, I mean, I can go on. Um, but right after World War II, um, it started with the Taft-Hartley Act of 1947, which stripped unions of the right to strike and basically led to the Red Scare. Um, in that they would not allow communists or socialists to become the leaders of unions anymore. And they then, Joseph McCarthy and others, um, then took to gutting the unions of their radical leadership, and they became significantly less powerful. There was a period of about 20 years after the war, or really, yeah, until about 1970, when things really started to kind of tumble down, um, when it was the golden age of economic expansion when basically there was almost a restart where big businesses were kind of challenged and they had to deal with their workers. And workers made a lot of money. Um, there was a growth of the great American middle class. There were a lot of manufacturing jobs. There were a lot of opportunities out there. Life was great um, in the economic realm. Of course, in the social realm, uh, it was a different story. It was the time of the civil rights movement, time of extreme racism. The new KKK um, was alive and well. Um, Jim Crow. It was on its way out, or at least de facto Jim Crow. I mean, sorry, de jure Jim Crow was on its way out. Um, but nonetheless, de facto segregation has stayed since. Um, there was social upheaval within the women's rights movement, within the LGBTQ rights movement. Um, there, were, there was a lot happening. A lot was changing during that time. But many conservatives kind of ignore that, it seems. Um, they're more focused on the economics and the way things were good. Things were good for a very long time. And many people well, had pretty progressive politics, 
Uh, think about LBJ and all the things he got passed with the Great Society. Forget the Vietnam War, Jesus Christ. But many people overall believed in strong unions, believed in higher wages, uh, believed in healthcare. We almost got universal healthcare in the 1960s. Uh, people were more radical. There were like the Black Panther parties. There was the Young Communist League. There was um, SNCC. There was uh, you name it. Uh, there were a ton of organizations. There was CORE. There was, uh, like I said, there's a ton of progressive things happening. And then what happens? The 1970s roll around. 1970 hits. Uh, times are still kind of good, but Nixon really fucks up the economy. Um, and Ford, too. And we have a phenomenon called stagflation, um, which is when uh, prices are going up. Um, and the co economy is stagnating. There's no growth in the economy, and there's many reasons why this happened. Um, but a lot of it has to do that this was the beginning of the neoliberal era, where many, 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 many politicians, it really started in uh, the mid-70s, um, start to take an approach to government that is the freer the market, the freer the people. Basically meaning that government must help big business survive. Uh, whether this is through bailouts, whether this is through cutting regulations, cutting taxes. Um, we saw at the end of World War II, I think in 1944, uh, uh, FDR proposed a nine, I'm sorry, a 100% tax rate above, I think, 10 million. So if you made above $10 million, or I, I don't remember the number, um, that 100% of that would go to the government. And I, of course, never got passed. The highest tax, uh, marginal tax rate we got was 92%. Um, and that was under Eisenhower. Slowly that started to fall, and corporate profits started to take the place of worker wages. And we started to see a lot of macroeconomic problems as well. Uh, businesses were just not doing as well, even with technological innovation. And many people suffered because of this. Uh, we started to see a decline in manufacturing jobs as uh, places in the third world, and I mean the global south, or let's just, it, yeah, I hate the term the third world, um, but that was the way it was described at the time. Uh, factories started to move there. They moved, and this happened all over Europe as well. Um, and factories moved from Europe and the United States and Canada to places where they could find cheap labor. And this is kind of going into the 1980s and the 1990s as well. Um, and there's a decline in manufacturing jobs at the same time as robotics and uh, machines improve to the point where you really don't need as many people working the factories where they had really good union jobs. Uh, and you see things like, um, you see things like Detroit happen where the big company leaves and the town falls apart and it grows to like half its size. I mean, Detroit was once a city of 2 million people and now it's like, what, hundreds of thousands, maybe a million? Uh, and it created what was called the Rust Belt, particularly in that area of the country, where Donald Trump has his biggest appeal. It was a blue area for a long time. West Virginia, um, not many people know, even in the 90s, was still a blue state. Um, all these places who had union jobs were voted more progressive, um, but over time they have been shifting to right-wing uh, ways of thinking because of this. They feel like that the left and the Democrats, I'm sorry, I almost said Democrats again, 
the Democrats have failed them, and both parties have failed them, really. And they saw that in 1974, uh, when Nixon got uh, almost got well resigned his office uh, in the Watergate scandal, they that was like one of the first moments. I mean, there's also obviously the Gulf of Tonkin resolution in 1964 or five. Uh, where basically the government took full reign and, and became too powerful. Um, uh, Gulf of Tonkin is basically when the Congress gave uh, Johnson a blank check to do whatever he wanted the war. Um, and then in 1974 uh, with Nixon, that's basically where he literally hires people to spy on his political opponents. Yep. People don't touch the government. Uh, government. Um, views of government and trust in government felt to an all-time low. I think it was like 40-50%. Um, and it has been on the decline ever since. So people really don't trust the government to do what's right for them. Because there was no longer these sweeping packages like uh, the Great Society and like um, I don't know, uh, like the New Deal. No, nothing like that anymore. Not the Fair Deal, not the Square Deal, not, none of that. Um, uh, so Let's see. And there was a lot of failures within the United States. Stagflation, rising gas prices, uh, the embargo with Iran uh, was a big problem. Um, oil prices, uh, people literally could not buy their gas and they blamed the government, specifically Jimmy Carter's government. Um, the hostages in Iran in 1979 was another Carter failure, uh, where until January 20th, 1981, um, what was it? It was like a couple hundred Americans, uh, or it was either that or a couple scores of Americans were held by the Iranian government after um, a whole debacle with the U.S. imposed Shah. Um, yeah, there was a policy failure there. Uh, the American government started to kind of fall back, um, started to kind of um, become less prevalent in people's lives. And then along comes Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Uh, was the former governor of California, and he had been running for president for a while. I mean, he ran in 1976. He ran, I think, in uh, 1964 um, against Barry Goldwater. Or I think he was, or he talked about throwing his hat in the ring. Anyways, um, Barry Goldwater uh, should also be mentioned in that he was... He was the candidate for president in 1964, and he was the first person as a staunch social conservative and a staunch far right winger to run for president. He supported using nukes. He he was notorious because he believed that I don't know how to word this that nukes should not be off the table. He was a warmonger. He really wanted. It. He really liked war. Um, people thought he was crazy. Johnson took advantage of him easily. Won, but he brought some ideas and normalized some ideas. And he also brought the South under a, uh, a Republican control for the first time in God knows how long. Uh, I mean, besides Eisenhower, of course. Um, yeah, it was. It's a big deal. Um, he brought social security, so, social so, social conservatism to the table. Um, and he also had the backing of white supremacist groups and other groups, um, unlike we had seen for the last 40 years to that point. Um, well, 30 years, maybe 20 years, I don't know. It, it really depends on a national level. Um, 
1980 rolls around. Ronald Reagan won for president. Jimmy Carter was an abject failure. And what does he say when he's running for president? Uh, uh, what are the 14 words? Uh, the 14 word speech, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. Those are the 14 most dangerous words in the English dictionary. That's what he runs on. He runs on, um, are, are you better off now than you were four years ago? Um, he runs on, uh, make America great again. I'm not kidding. That was his slogan. That was his official campaign slogan. Was America, America great again? Um, because many people had seen that America had fallen on hard times. Um, and he talked a lot about religion. He was, he, Jimmy Carter was religious, but he didn't bring religion to the office. Reagan harped on the rising evangelical movement in the country that was starting to happen at that time. And he ran with it. Uh, he also ran on a lot of anti-science stuff. Uh, yeah, he, he generally was not a big... He was like an, his, his wife, was uh, Nancy Reagan, was obsessed with astrology. Um, they actually had an astrologer within the White House. Basically, Reagan brings these ideas to the table and promises um, the moon um, and a better tomorrow um, in contrast to Carter, uh, who was running in 1980 as well, who, whose presidency, many people thought he was like the worst president of the century. Many people thought that like, he was an abject failure. And obviously, history has looked brighter upon him recently. But people hated that guy. And he got he got cream cracker, dude. He lost big time. And yeah, uh, nothing would ever be the same. This is called the Reagan Revolution for a reason. Politics itself completely changed. It went so far to the right. Reagan brought far right ideas that had not been seen, uh, like cutting uh, this new idea called trickle down economics, which was the idea that if we cut taxes for the rich, the wealth will trickle down. Um, to the lower classes because the rich will now have more money to create more jobs, thus making more money for the middle class. This was bullshit. Um, this did not happen. This has been tried three different times, four different times now, uh, and no times have we seen middle class uh, wealth grow, uh, growth go up. If only, if anything, it exacerbates the uh, income and wealth inequality we had see uh, inequality we see in this country. Um, so we have that. He runs on government is the problem, right? He wants to cut regulations. He wants to cut everything. He wants to cut welfare because there's people mooching off the welfare system. They're taking your tax money. The government's taxing you too much. The government is, you don't have enough money. Uh, and it's the government taking your money. And it's the government doing all of these things and blah, blah, blah. Um, and he, he communicated this way more effectively than I am right now because he, I mean, he was an actor. He, he was really good at a mic. I'm not going to lie. Um, he can give a speech. Um, yeah. And once Reagan gets into office, we see that. We see uh, taxes get cut for the richest corporations. We see incredible amounts of deregulation of like the telecoms industry, of um, basically really every industry. And we see um, him start to encourage right to work laws. Uh, he, we see deregulation on a whole new scale um, as part of this neoliberal kind of thing. And then um, this continues. This, this era of uh, the big government being over uh, continues. And 
while people feel better off in 1984 uh, when Reagan won a massive landslide uh, than they did four years ago in 1980, that's what he ran on. Um, yeah, um, he just got lucky with the economy. I mean, that's that's really all you can say. Um, and many many Republicans nowadays like deify Reagan because in 1981, uh, the Soviet Union fell, the end of the Cold War. Many people credit Reagan for that uh, falsely because the, the Soviet Union was having its own extreme internal problems. Uh, but, you know, uh, that doesn't matter. Uh, that was the narrative that got out of it. Um, yeah, all these kind of things. So Reagan is now... But he was elevated to like the position of like the best president. Like he, everybody, people loved the guy. Like he won many, many, many Democrats voted for him. He won in one of the greatest landslides in electoral history in 1984. I think uh, Walter Mondale only won his home state of Minnesota. Like goddamn. Um, yeah, same thing. 1988, his vice president Bush wins. He uh, he obviously called trickle down economics voodoo economics. But he still employed the same policies. See, there was a trend now where if you were raising taxes, um, you would not get elected. Raising taxes was um, a no-no word. It was a curse word in Washington. And nobody could run on it. And nobody could run on uh, giving people health care anymore. Because that's just not tab. Uh, I mean, because people saw Reagan and saw his tax cuts and they then uh, remember that they were doing well under his term or they were convinced they were doing well um and we see a decline in um labor power we see a decline in uh, again manufacturing jobs as i said uh, and all of this is just kind of snowballing um we see welfare programs that helped many of uh many poor white people go away uh people have this idea that black people were the predominant users of welfare but no it was poor white people in the south and it's same thing true to this day. Uh, the South, um, the Deep South, the biggest uh, recipients of welfare checks, and typically this goes to poor white families. Um, yeah. Um, and many people still wanted to hurt themselves because they thought it would be better for the economy. And everything was about the economy uh, doing better. And the economy meaning the profits of big business. Uh, it's almost crazy. Uh, how that turn happened. Um, but it was all because of the government's failure um, in the 1970s. And how so we, we start to see this kind of cult around Judeo-Christian values and Reaganomics and um, helping big business, which is a core part of fascism that wasn't mentioned in the 14, but fascist governments specifically only exist to increase in... Um, the profits of those companies, uh, of the biggest companies, through imperialism and through exploitation of workers, um, because they now blame um, other social groups instead of uh, the real um, enactors of financial hardship, financial and social hardship. Yeah. Um, this slowly builds and builds uh, throughout the 1990s with Clinton and with uh, Bush, who both cut taxes significantly. Um, cut welfare programs, uh, started, uh, really kicked into high gear, uh, the war on drugs that had began in the, uh, Nixon administration, but kicked up into high gear 
and Reagan, now kicked up to a fucking 11 in the 1990s uh, during a time of tough on crime. We see a lot of uh, racial attitudes um, really from the uh, 1950s and 60s come back. Uh, we see people talking about super predators, uh, people talking about thugs and criminals. They're referring to black people. Like, there was a lot of racism at this time. And they built, like, in 1994, Joe Biden did this. Uh, he wrote this bill. He wrote the 1994 crime bill, which created mass incarceration in this country. Um, specifically because people were, uh, were made afraid of the violent criminals. Um, while crime was very high during that time. Uh, many people argue it was because of the high amount of police and the high amount of uh, investment in, uh, and the high amount of economic unrest. I mean, because most crimes are motivated by economics, right? Um, yeah, uh, we see this kind of just build and people uh, start to love their police, start to love their Judeo-Christian values, start to love their tax cuts, start to love their... Um, all these sorts of things. But meanwhile, all of this is happening. Everybody is collectively doing worse off. They are worse off than their parents were. They are worse off. They don't have as much money. People cannot achieve the American dream. Economic mobility goes down. Um, standard of living goes down. Everything, every economic indicator that actually tells you how people are doing goes down. GDP goes up. People uh, attach stock market profits and GDP growth to uh, people growth and uh, how well people are doing in the country when that's just not true. GDP is just gross domestic product, how much money is spent in your economy. That's it. That's it. Uh, like it's literally every transaction. What does that have to do with you? Um, yeah, exactly. And this is just, I mean, this is a global thing. Uh, but neoliberalism slowly builds a lot of these uh, economic problems. There was uh, less investment in rural communities. There was a massive move, um, a massive migration from uh, urban migration uh, throughout this time uh, from cities like Detroit and cities like uh, Flint and cities like Milwaukee and also on all these Midwestern cities in Cleveland and uh, Cincinnati and uh, Columbus and all these cities, they would go to the south where there were new uh, opportunities for jobs and things. Um, and uh, there was also a move from the rural to the city because jobs were becoming less valuable. I mean, sorry, jobs were becoming more scarce, so people always go to the cities when they need more jobs. It's just kind of a trend. Um, people are still doing like shit. I mean, there was obviously white flight after the war. Um, there was a bunch of segregation. Uh, people... Um, lived in and never saw people who have a different race, people of um, different ethnic groups, and uh, tension grows typically when that happens, when you don't interact and know people in those groups. So we start to see throughout the 1990s, particularly in the then 2000s, a lot of um, anti-immigrant, anti-brown, anti-black sentiment um, and, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of that kind of rhetoric builds and builds. Uh, meanwhile, economic anxiety is riddling the country. Like, nobody's doing as good as they were doing when they were younger. Um, uh, times, are, times are tough. I mean, the people, the boomers were lucky. They were the last generation to really have a high standard of living. 
for most of their lives. Um, and now millennials and Gen X, um, they're really not doing too hot. Um, yeah, uh, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, so we get to the Bush administration, we get to the war on terror, uh, we get to uh, the Patriot Act, we get to... Um, uh, we get to Common Core, we get to all these things that kind of made people hate the government. Again, uh, the Patriot Act particularly, I mean, many people thought that uh, by instilling the Patriot Act that uh, only the people, only lawbreakers would have to be afraid, right? That was kind of the philosophy uh, that convinced so many people to buy it. Um, there was a lot of good, I mean, a good political posturing by the Bush administration who used a lot of focus groups and things like that to make everything sound a lot better than it was. Uh, and yeah, there, there started to become a really big political rift, uh, between the Republican and the Democratic parties, which, uh, respectively represented the right and the left politically. Um, and we see this grow and grow and much like we, what we see uh, on a social front with white flight and with race relations in the country, things are just getting worse. <laughs> Uh, among the two parties and the two-party system, people start to see, um, particularly Republicans and right-wingers, start to see Democrats as inhuman and snobby, elitist liberals, mostly due to propaganda. Uh, when liberals also start to demonize the South as well, but it's a more minor phenomenon. It's not the story here. Um, and this builds and builds and builds, and then we get 2008. Election of the first black president. Throughout the whole campaign, um, Hillary Clinton uh, did this as well. Donald Trump alleged that, uh, himself, alleged that he was not born in Kenya. Uh, I'm sorry, that he was not born in the United States and instead born in Kenya. Uh, Barack Obama was. Uh, Hillary Clinton participated in this, though she retracted it and denounced those comments. People were using racial fears, uh, and just because the guy was black, he had to show his fucking birth certificate, and they thought that Obama was Satan. Uh, like, quite literally, he was depicted in many shows ran by Republicans as Satan. There were documentaries released by people like Dinesh D'Souza uh, that would say that Hillary Clinton and, uh, and probably conspiracy theories that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were coming to take your guns, and coming to eat your children, blah, 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 like whatever it is. And um, this worked on a lot of people. And people started to get, especially with the rise of social media, into these echo chambers. Um, like this is, this is the rise of the internet. Uh, people no longer are getting the same news. They're, they can get whatever news they want on people's channels like Fox News, which had risen in the 1990s. And aimed uh, by Roger Ailes' statement, uh, the founder of Fox News, uh, and Rupert Murdoch, they kind of said that they want this to be the catalyst for big business economics. Um, they want this to be where we breed new conservatives. And Fox News got normalized by the media. People treated it like a normal media outlet when in reality they were pushing far-right propaganda and were notoriously inaccurate. Uh, with their analyses and things of that nature. And people who are more apathetic with politics uh, started to be moved to the right by this perpetual pounding of information, false information that they don't have time to fact check because they're working too hard. 
and um, people who are already right wing, uh, particularly on Facebook, uh, on apps like Facebook, and um, start to fall into these really, really dark and deep echo chambers. Um, we see now on the internet uh, sites that are open forums oftentimes get taken over by Nazis. Um, and slowly, echo chambers generally, free and uh, open echo chambers oftentimes get corrupted um, uh, that are remotely right-wing or centrist get corrupted by Nazis and by fascists themselves. That uh, Unironic. People who believe that uh, races are inferior, etc. Uh, follow the 14 points. Um, and older conservative people start to believe that not only is government in the problem, not the Democrats want to um, eat your children, uh, are running a sex ring out of a pizza place. That's that's Pizzagate. Uh, running a, um, I don't know. They're they're there to take your guns. They're there to take your livelihoods. They're there uh, to have a white genocide. Uh, there's they're there to. There's all these fears that are starting to be propagated. They want to bring it. This is a big one. A big one. I forgot to hit on. They want to bring illegal immigrants in, and they want the illegal immigrants to take your jobs. That's what they want. That's what the Democrats want. That's what they believe. This is what these people believe. Um, and that only the echo chambers only allow these fears that had already existed for the last 30 years to grow and grow and grow until, boom, 2015, Donald Trump starts to run for president. Donald Trump runs for president. He basically says, hey, I know you're struggling. And he talks a lot about economics. He's like, look, why are we in so many fucking wars? Why don't you have health care? Why are your jobs? Why do your jobs suck? Why are you working longer hours for lower wages? Why? And why are the Mexicans rapists? And why are the Muslims attacking us? Why do we have to fear the Muslims? Why, are the, why is the radical left uh, seeking to destroy this country? Why are socialists, communists, Marxists, like, he, that's what he used to brand all Democrats, most of whom are capitalists uh, and people who believe in that ideology. And many people are neoliberals who unironically still believe in cutting taxes for the rich. Uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, and he would propagate, he would speak pro-worker language. But remember, Donald Trump is a billionaire who exploited workers, had racist housing policy, um, who wrote articles about the Chicago, uh, sorry, the Central Park Five uh, that were blatantly false. And he still believed to this, to this day, actually, that they, are, they were guilty, even though DNA exonerated them. Uh, this guy did not give a fuck about working people. He did not. He made, he talked about um, jobs being sent overseas, but he gets his ties and stuff made in like Turkey. He, he doesn't give a fuck about workers. He was just doing it originally. And this, this is also, this is in campaign documentation. He was originally running for president to sell fucking books and to sell his products because he was in debt. He's in debt a lot of money. Uh, he, he was starting to run into it. He, he bankrupted like nine businesses, like Trump Taj Mahal, all these, uh, like Trump airlines, Trump stakes, blah, blah, blah. All these businesses failed and he lost a lot of money in investment. 
Um, so he tried to build his brand. But he spoke too closely to what people were feeling. The problem is the Democratic Party, uh, for the last, uh, what, ever since Johnson, really, had failed and not um, helped people. Uh, there was no alternative. There was no alternative for people. Donald Trump was the only person in the last 30 years who said, listen, I know these people have screwed you. Both Republicans and Democrats have fucking screwed you. I'm something different. I'm going to take you in a new direction. I'm going to help you. I care about you. I'm one of you. I talk like you, don't I? And he talks in very clear, very uh, fiery language. He was a people he was known for being on a reality show. People knew who he was and they liked him. Um, and he used that, and he also combined it with inflammatory rhetoric and uh, very bold statements. And people saw him as strong, unlike Hillary Clinton, who was cold and calculated. Unlike the Democrats, who were cold and calculated and didn't give a, didn't, to them, did not give a fuck about them. And they had not done anything for them. People remember, the two-time Obama voters did not think that Obama did anything for him. For them, sorry. Um, I mean, and they were right. The Democrats failed. Le liberalism failed. As it always does. Throughout history. It failed. It led to the declining of the American middle class. It led to a lot of these people saying, hey, you know, Trump says some fucked up shit, but you know what? He wants to help me. He says he cares about me. And that was like my parents, too. My parents thought the same way. My mom was a two-time Obama voter. Uh, basically. Uh, and when Trump gets into office, I mean, while he's on the campaign, he runs a record amount of, mis uh, uh, of lies and misinformation in his speeches and things. But um, people kind of overlooked that, and they overlooked his behavior and his inflammatory uh, racist rhetoric and his homophobic rhetoric and his... Uh, actually, uh, he really wasn't as openly homophobic as, like, Ted Cruz was. Um, or uh, Jeb Bush was better about it. Uh, all his Republican opponents in the primaries, he, what he did, and he was smart to do this, he called them all corrupt. He focused on how Washington was corrupt. And you see how, as a historical trend, kind of plays into this. There's a deep-rooted hatred of Washington. And he did it in such a way, like people, politicians oftentimes say that Washington is corrupt, and they're going to go in and they're going to change it. And he's like, look, I'm self-financing my campaign. Nobody's bought me. Look at these people. Jeb Bush is owned by fucking everyone. And look at him. He's a fucking loser. Like, that's what he did. He emasculated people. Like, he... He, fem he tried to, like, feminize Jeb Bush. Like, he, he said that all these Republicans, they haven't done shit for you. All these Democrats, they haven't done shit for you. I'm something different. That is what he campaigned on. He wanted to make America great again. And that really, really stuck out to a lot of people. Obviously, it was only 47% of the American population who ended up voting for him in the election. 48%, uh, I don't remember what it was in the end. But it was enough people to win the Republican nomination. Um, now, he wasn't completely popular, but over time, uh, people really started to clap, uh, clamp onto his message uh, as a part of party unity. Um, and Trumpists and the Trump campaign and the Trump organization uh, itself, like not, not the 
yeah, like uh, started to really tap in to the new medium of social media, unlike any campaign we've ever seen. They would create bots. They would. Uh, he would constantly be tweeting misinformation that was like gospel to his followers. Um, and Fox News would be singing his praises, and people who respected that outlet would think that, oh, okay, he's not a bad guy, and they'd start to believe a lot of this shit. Like when he talk about how climate change is a Chinese hoax, they'd be like, oh, yeah, it kind of is. I don't give. I don't see it. I don't see it happening. It still snows, right? Um, it's obviously wrong. Um, and yeah, uh, fuck. This is. Um, I'm realizing that I've gone over an hour now, but I have some stuff I need to cut. Um, yeah, Donald Trump. He eventually wins. Um, in major part to him talking about corruption and talking about um, money and politics and talking about how everybody in America is getting screwed over by both parties. He was a critic of both parties, and Bernie and Brussels saw his rise as well for the same thing, he, except he was actually meaning it, and he'd actually been fighting it for all those years instead of participating in it. Um, yeah. Uh, people thought he was strong. People thought he was going to do something. People wanted someone to do something. People were tired of malaise and tired of people who would say they'd do shit, but they wouldn't do shit. But people believed that Trump would do stuff. Um, so they voted for him. They got him into office. And all of these factors, echo chambers, the Fox News, uh, these kind of conspiracy theories that had been lying people. Like, uh, we now in the 2000s, we got the anti-vax movement. Um, we got a very hyper-acceleration of Judeo-Christian values, which basically translates to evangelism. Um, and we see a rise in far-right uh, sermons. We see a rise in the Southern Baptist population. We see a rise in um, uh, more alternative right-wing kinds of institutions and things online. Um, yeah, uh, the religious revival especially played a big role uh, in Trump's victory, even though it's really contradictory because he literally slept with the porn star as his child was born. Um, yeah. Anyways, and he told people he was going to grab women by their genitalia. Um, yeah, very, very religious. Two Corinthians, very religious. Uh, but people gravitated to him in a very religious way, in an almost deifying way, around Trump. It was Trump centered the campaign around himself. They centered the campaign around his, what he represented to a lot of people. It was all about his name. People talked about um, the campaign itself focused on Trump, 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 uh, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, he gets elected. Sorry, I'm just going to move forward. He gets elected. Um, yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, Craig just stopped recording. That was weird. Um, anyways, Trump basically, at this point, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, he had fanned the flames of white supremacy so much uh, and he had not, and sorry, I was talking about Charlottesville. In Charlottesville, he had said there were good people on both sides. and He had accepted the um, 
he had basically accepted the endorsement of David Duke during the campaign. He said, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who David Duke is. Um, and he had made slight posturing. And he had always kind of propagated um, Islamophobic and uh, anti-immigrant and uh, anti-Hispanic and anti... Uh, I mean, you name it. Um, sentiments. Um, really, xenophobic sentiments. And this kind of all adds up. The beginning of the pandemic hits. People are fucking struggling. Um, and we see an acceleration of things. The election's coming up. Trump had been talking about for a long time how the radical left had been wanting to destroy the country. Um, the radical left is like Bernie Sanders or um, Joe Biden. or He literally lumped them all together. He lumped all Democrats as radical leftists, which is oftentimes what fascists do. Um, that's what Hitler did with the KPD and the SPD, uh, the Social Democratic and the Communist Party. He lumped them together. He was like, look, these people are going to fucking, are fucking terrible for you. Um, I mean, that's what Mussolini did with the socialists. Um, yeah. Um, sorry, I, I just, I lost my train of thought again. Uh, it is, again, it is 7.14 in the morning. I've been talking straight. I have not been able to sleep. Anyways. Um, where am I? Ah, the pandemic. People are struggling financially. Trump doesn't have a very good response, but by this time, the, the scheme is in place. Uh, Trump had a solid approval rating of at least 38% for his entire presidency. He never went below that amount because he had secured so many people who were, who were so economically desperate and who knew and who had been told for years. They'd been told for years by this point, by Fox News, by the Republican Party, by various news outlets by their echo chamber on Facebook that the Democrats did not want to help them at all. And that now the only solution is Trump. And we start to see the rise of QAnon and we start to see the rise of government conspiracy theories. And we start to see the whole declining of truth. People start to deny uh, the uh, viability of masks because the dear leader doesn't fucking wear it. Trump did not wear masks. Trump repeatedly questioned um, masks' uh, viability when that's it's in face of all the science. He he literally suggested that people inject bleach into their fucking um, blood vessels, and many people actually did this and were seriously injured. Um, People believe this man at his word at this point. What his word is, for many people, is the truth. Because you cannot go to MSNBC. You cannot go to CNN. Because Trump had been calling them fake news for years. And it had laid in their minds. And he had, had said, look, the fake news media um, is always emotionalizing stories. That's what it was in the beginning. And now he's like, they're lying to you about me. And they're just against me. It just slowly evolved from that. And we're now at a point where many Trump supporters will only watch Fox News, will only watch far-right outlets, will only watch Ben Shapiro, will only watch, what's worse, One America News, Newsmax, um, Stormfront. I mean, if you want to go that far, uh, Breitbart, Daily Wire, all these outlets. I mean, Jesus Christ, they're so far-right. Uh, people who argue that trans people aren't human. Um, in this day and age, people who outright deny climate science. This is so far right. This is so, 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 so 
far right. And this is starting to become normalized because Trump endorses and promotes these people to his supporters, who he has now got on his, his grasp. Pandemic hits, people start to deny things as Trump uh, kind of does. We see the BLM protests. Trump sends in the fucking troops, says these Marxist, Leninists, uh, anarchists, socialists, Antifa are coming to take your guns. They're burning down cities, uh, which is exactly what conservatives and fascists said during the civil rights movement. White supremacists said it about Dr. King that he was burning down towns. It's history rhyming. He says that they're coming for your guns. They're coming for uh, your kids. They're against the white race. They are against every your American values, your suburban values. When you say suburban values, who the fuck lives in the suburbs? It's white people. You don't, like, it's overwhelmingly white people. I mean, who else are you talking? Trump literally said that. And many, many people said that. Um, yeah. Continuing on. Um, yeah, now we have an enemy. Now we have Antifa. Now we have the radical left. Because there were images of cities in violent protest. There were images of, um, of places on fire. Uh, explosions. Uh, there was a pandemic. Uh, that many people didn't even believe existed um, because they had not seen it and because the fake news media had been talking about it all that long. And Fox News had been sowing doubt since the very fucking beginning. Uh, and CNN was the only outlet to cover it from the very beginning. I mean, CNN and all those other, the, the decent outlets that exist um, that Trump had denounced and said they were fake news. Um, this is how bad it got. People literally would die no, thinking uh, that they um, gotten a hoax virus, uh, thinking the virus was a hoax. It was so terrible what had happened. I mean, there were thousands of people who definitely died because of this. Um, I mean, right now it's like 300,000 people died of COVID. I mean, mostly they're disproportionately black and brown uh, because of socioeconomic factors. But there, I guarantee where there were a lot of Trump supporters who went out there and they partied and they didn't wear their mask and they suffered the fucking consequences. Um, due to Trump's irresponsibility. And it's literally a death cult at this point. I mean, people want to fight and die for Trump. They would do anything. Because people believe now, with the QAnon conspiracy theory, which basically outlines that uh, the whole government is against Trump. The whole... Um, the Democratic Party is corrupt. And there's a global cabal. Not, I mean, of, Jew, I mean, um, of devil-worshipping... Democrats, uh, the deep state, they all uh, are participating in child trafficking. Uh, they all want to remove President Trump from power. Um, they all um, are against him. The fake news media is part of it. Everybody's against Trump. Everybody is. Um, now what happens? Trump says, listen, you guys know that you're the majority. We won the last election, and if people do anything about it, and if I lose this election, he said this in July, I think, first, the election was fraudulent. He starts to say this. He starts to say all of these things. Right now, he has a fucking cult behind him. And I hate to say that as an American. These people are voting against their economic interests. I mean, that's my political view. I mean, it's also the objective view. 
I mean, Trump is cutting taxes for rich people. But he convinced them that he was helping them. And he wrote a little into the tax code things that look like people got tax cuts. But by 2021, when Biden takes power, uh, conveniently, uh, people are going to see their taxes go up. And people are going to blame Biden for that. Um, and he basically increased take-home pay, but on the back end took more money from them. Uh, it's kind of complicated. Uh, but he convinced people that he had cut taxes for them and that he had created a brilliant economy, uh, which was actually one that Obama created. If you look at the trajectory of growth and uh, output, uh, just the economy that Obama created. Anyways. Um, COVID crash hits, his communities are affected, but they have nowhere else to turn except for the dear leader, and everything just really kind of accelerates. Um, God, I'm at like, damn, I've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes. Um, yeah. Uh, and fast forward to the election. Uh, again, he had been talking, he had been sowing doubts in the voting machines, and that he was saying that um, there would be voting irregularities. People would vote twice by mail. He was propagating conspiracy theories about people stealing ballots, about people sending on multiple ballots, of people voting more than once, of uh, dead people voting, most notably. That were clearly not true. Clearly not true. I think he knew it himself that they were not true. But people started to believe it. And people could not believe at this point that their dear leader had lost the election on the day of the election when Joe Biden won. Uh, after like what a week of um, anxious waiting on a half of the results, they thought it was so close in those states that the dead people and um, the extra voters had just rigged it against Trump. And they were like, "No way he could lose." Not because they acknowledge they think they they did, and honestly probably didn't think it through that deeply that most people are against Trump and that most people don't like Trump. Because many Trump supporters have this idea that everyone is against them. I mean, and they're not wrong. The majority of America is disapproving of Trump. Um, but it's about an even split in terms of people who would vote for Trump and people who wouldn't. So, I don't know. Anyways. Um, fuck, I'm losing my train of thought. Election. He immediately, he doesn't concede. Uh, he says that um, the election was stolen from him. Um, this is very, very eerily similar um, to the kind of rhetoric that we saw directed at left-wing parties uh, throughout the 1920s and 30s by Mussolini and Hitler, respectively. Uh, they both said that uh, they had elections stolen, that not many people, not as many... Uh, People had uh, voted for the left-wing parties, um, that people really supported them, that the people were behind them, and um, that uh, the other party, uh, Joe Biden, Comrade comrade Joe, and um, uh, Kamala Marx um, were out to destroy the country. That's what That was what he ran on, really, at that point. He was like, they're literally trying to uh, destroy the future for you and your kids. They're trying to take away your healthcare. They're trying to take away your guns. They're trying to take away everything you hold dear. They're trying to instill atheistic, secular values on your Judeo-Christian values. They are Marxists. They are 
um, anarchist. Joe is an anarchist. Really funny. But um, no, I mean, and people legitimately believe this. People say that Obamacare is terrible. I mean, Obamacare really didn't help people all that much. Um, but Trump care was much worse. Anyway, um, beside the point. Um, so we see this demonization rise. I mean, throughout the year, throughout the past year. And it really leads to a fucking spiral, especially after the election. We see the rise uh, in the ranks of the Proud Boys and of Three Percenters and of um, various far-right wing groups on the internet. Um, mostly how they connected and there were many of these people were recruits from facebook and they kind of went under the trump banner and then they kind of made people radicalized to the right um race realists and all and the trump flag and the confederate flag folks they kind of went along with the proud boys in taking back their democracy so to speak they wanted to do that and they planned a rally to do so to stand up for their president and to stand up for the person who they legitimately thought won and to stand up for American democracy. So it's not that these people want to overthrow democracy itself. It's that they believe and they have been told by President Trump that um, they are the real patriots. They are really the people safeguarding the election. They are the real Americans trying to protect it from radical communist elements supported by the CCP in China, um, supported by. Uh, George Soros. George Soros is also Jewish. If you're noticing the anti-Semitism here, it's pretty rampant. Um, uh, all of these things are starting to take shape. Um, and then we get various outbursts after the election, like protect the election results. We see Trump supporters literally are trying to break down the doors at... Um, in Arizona and in Michigan when they were counting votes. Literally, trying to get in and stop them from counting votes. They would literally say, stop the count, because they thought that it was fraudulent, because they thought that dead people were voting. And maybe on some level they knew Trump was going to lose. But may I think most of them convinced themselves that Trump was the real winner and they needed to stop counting because he would fucking lose. They saw the red mirage that was supposed to take place on election day um, and the red barrage being that Trump would initially lead in every state and many people, and I myself predicted this, that because of the way votes are counted, votes on election day are always counted first, except in Georgia this past time because they got their shit together. Uh, anyways, Trump was leading in like literally every state, literally every state. Um, for a while. Um, many states have not been called. Like, he led in New York, like, all election night. And people slowly started to see the percentages go down. People slowly started to see um, some Democrats somehow winning when they won three counties in a state, while Trump won, like, 97. That's how population density works. And people legitimately thought, like, how could this ever happen? This election was obviously stolen from Trump. Um. Yeah, I mean, people saw all these things. They were like, "Oh my God!" They they saw it before their eyes, and Trump said to watch the screen. He was like, "He was like, this election will be stolen from me," and they watched it. The pandemic was the perfect vehicle, um, because most Democrats voted by. I mean, many many Democrats voted by mail, 
overwhelmingly. Many, many Democrats voted early. Those votes were counted later. But many, many, he, Trump encouraged Republicans to vote on election day. And those votes would be counted first. You see, he told them to watch the polls. He told them to vote on election day. And that is the problem. That is why we're here. That is why we saw what happened yesterday. I mean, two days ago now. I mean, obviously, less than 48 hours ago. That is why we saw it. Because these people who were convinced that their president lost were co-opted by the far right. I mean, many of these people are obviously all writers. They're too far gone. They're TFG. They believe that COVID's a hoax. They believe that climate change's a hoax. They believe that Trump won the election when he didn't. And he believed the elections were rigged. And he believed that dead people voted. Even though literally Trump's legal team would not say voter fraud in court because they knew they would be lying when he lost literally every single case except for one that was one on procedural grounds. And it literally didn't win anything. I mean, God, it, there's so many things that these people don't know. And, and like information itself is gone. I mean, this has been a long time in the making, kind of eroding first the government and viewing the government, then in the media, then of the Democratic Party, and then of the election and the democracy itself. It was a slow process. I mean, people started to really not trust their media sources uh, starting in the 1960s with the coverage of the Vietnam War, people started not to trust their media outlets the way they covered Bill Clinton in the 1990s uh, with the uh, Whitewater scandal. They really started not trust the media during after really Cronkite left. I mean, Walter Cronkite was the voice of America. After he left and after he felt like he couldn't be in the media anymore, many people really started to turn and many people started to see the media as more subjective and more fake. Uh, especially in the Bush years and more recently. And Trump just exacerbated that when he actually started talking about it, you know? Um, and now we're here. We're here where literally our Capitol building was invaded by so-called patriots. Literally. People who say, oh my God, the Antifa rioters in the streets, they're destroying government buildings and government property. Oh my God, the boys in blue. We gotta protect the boys in blue. And now they're fucking fighting the cops with these black, Blue Lives Matter flags. Like nothing matters anymore. Nothing. Nothing. And it's because fascism is here. This is fascism. This is fascism in the rise in America. I mean, I think people talked about, I think there's a famous quote from somebody saying that socialism would come to America in a different name. And I believe that's true. But fascism came to America in a different name. It was under Trump. It was under Make America Great Again. It was under MAGA. It was one man. It was one man that did it. He accelerated the process. He took advantage of people's fears and he slowly created a system in which we're now at this point where we're nearly on the brink of civil war between people who, do, who think that the other side wants to end the country as they know it. However, whatever their political views are. That it's crazy. I mean, it's they want they they want to disregard the democratic will of the people. These fascists do. These white supremacists do. They don't want Joe Biden to win. They will do anything in their power for Joe Biden not to win. They defend the Electoral College. They defend they the they want to overturn election results. 
even though Trump himself conceded. He conceded today. Like, goddamn. Or really yesterday, but they still want to do it. These there's there's a chunk of people out there that still want to do these things. There's this chunk of people out there who now that Trump has denounced them will look somewhere else. Who look to the alt right, who look to the Proud Boys, who are there for them and who are speaking the truth in their minds, telling it how it was. So I mean the future is uncertain in this country. I mean, these people are unequivocally fascists, and I described that at the beginning. Um, and I'm scared. I really am. Uh, the rise of fascism and the rise of Trump really has a lot to do with liberalism, the fail of liberalism, the, the, the downfall of leftism. I mean, that really happened in the 1930s. I can get to that another time. But I'm scared. Genuinely. Uh, my life's been threatened before by these fascists. My car's been vandalized by these people. Um, and the future's certain. Um, we, I don't know what's going to happen, but if I'm being honest, we, we really just got to live it day by day at this point. We have 13 days, and we have 12 days, I guess, left of the presidency. God, I just hope we survive. I guess on that note, I guess I'm kind of coming to a close here. I guess to conclude, let me kind of wrap up everything I said in a short little bit. Basically, over the last 40 years, neoliberalism and neoliberal policies in American history has kind of angled in certain specific areas to turn people against each other. To make people fear their neighbor rather than the real problem in the country, which has been corporate greed. All of these rollbacks, all of these deregulations have been done by corporations, slowly, ever since the New Deal ended. They had been accumulating power and lobbying for people, for the government to roll back worker protections, to roll back things that stopped them from making as much money as humanly possible, stop things that helped people, stop programs, stop welfare, stop all of these things. And to turn people against each other because ultimately that creates the greatest profit. We see now that I think uh, Elon Musk has overtaken Jeff Bezos and uh, we see a accumulation of $1 trillion in uh, wealth over the course of the year 2020, mostly due to the pandemic when we saw a squeezing of the American people. And they didn't get anything. They didn't get shit from the government. They didn't get help from anybody. And yeah, I mean, there's there's many aspects that I miss to this, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps is a weakness. There's, sorry, I'm, I'm on a tangent. But um, anyways, to conclude, it's what's happening in this country and what happened over the last 40 years is that neoliberalism failed. They failed. They, they hurt the American people knowingly, but they convinced people that it was fine and people knew that things were not fine. People didn't trust their government. People didn't trust... Um, their institutions. Uh, there were many, many scandals. Uh, Whitewater, uh, Iran Contra, Nixon, uh, Watergate, Gulf of Tonkin, um, the Iraq War, um, the lies. There have been so many lies by politicians, by um, leaders, 
elected leaders that people just started to not believe them. The media um, started to not trust their media. And it allowed them to gravitate towards somebody who quote, spoke it like it was. And now we have a large chunk of the American people who are now in a personality cult. Personality cult of a fascist. So they are fascists themselves. They are, they are people who genuinely need our help as leftists. There are genuinely people who need to be cared for, need to be shown the light, need to be talked to. I mean, honestly, sometimes they're too far gone, but I don't think they all are. I think they're victims of a system that is designed to make them obedient, which is exactly what it did. They're not questioning corporate power. They're not questioning the authorities that are really... They're not questioning authority, fuck. They're backing and kissing the boots of the police. But we it's our duty to help them and help them see the light and help them question the very fundamental aspects of our society that have led us to this moment. And that's kind of where I end. That's kind of the conclusion. The one thing that Lalas should do is stand up and defend what we have right now. We can't wait. There's no time to wait. If we wait, we perish. If we wait, then they may win. If we wait, I mean, if not us, then who? That's always something that stays in my head. If not us, then who? And, yeah, that's it. Thank you all for listening. I hope this wasn't too crazy. I hope I don't sound like I'm fucking nuts. And I'm very, very sorry this is so long. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, if you ever have any questions or want me to talk about this more one-on-one, just DM me. And if anybody is watching this um, 20 years from now, listening to this when I'm somewhere else in the world, I don't know. Um, no, I am also a teenager. I don't know everything. I'm growing. So don't take my word as gospel. Oh, God's no masters. Anyway, I think I had to say that at some point. Good night, y'all. Or good morning. Good night.